All right, guys, good to have you back. I'm here with my good friend Gary Hale, and uh, we're doing something a little different this time. We are coming to this podcast. Well, with- let's not tell them. <laughs> let's not tell them. Let's, no, let's, keep a look. Uh, let's, see, let's see if our four <laughs> listeners can figure out what we're doing. All right. All right. I'm leaving this one out there. So, Gary, you lead it off. Oh, yeah. So, it's Friday. Yeah. Uh, we're going into the weekend. What you got mm-hmm. going on this weekend? Me, uh, I need to prepare a video for SEMCA. Uh, this is far of kind of like an seminary, advertisement yeah. seminary here. Uh, and I'm doing some other stuff uh, that I'm just personal stuff on the side, but I got some class prep to work on too, that I want to start getting some outline ready for uh, February when we launch our new uh, Semca deal. So um, I got a few things on my plate that I'm working on right now. Some little bit of proofreading stuff. I want to be in church on Sunday. I'm not preaching by the way. Am I going to be at church on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Who's preaching? Carlos. (laughs) Carlos, Well, I'm glad I'm not translating. Oh, it's not your turn. Oh my goodness, dude. He is. He just, Yeah, because he's 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 uh, as a national wood. He's fast, right, but right. he's also worked in the business world. So his his vocabulary, and he's a, he's an avid reader, I think. So his his vocabulary, Spanish vocabulary, is not that I don't understand it. I can get ninety nine percent of what he's saying. It's how to on the fly get that into English to the people who are listening in English and still follow his next thought. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, um, yeah, it makes sense. I always I always joke when I translate for you. I'm like, uh, I'm starting off, you know, very wooden translation, kind of like KJV. But if Gary gets going crazy, then you guys are going to get the NIV version because it's it's not going to be word for word. It's going to be thought for thought. Well, you know, those toys that they um, that you I don't know if they're still around, but you basically is like cars and you pull them back and they wind up back wheels. But they they don't turn. They just go straight. Right. Well, with, with translating for me is pretty much like that because I don't throw you too many curveballs because my. My language is still, though I can communicate the point, especially spiritually, I, I do better preaching than I do conversing off to the side um, because I kind of know where I'm going. I right, know my right. lane or whatever. But uh, if you notice, there's certain ways I don't tell, I, I don't tell a lot of stories in past and what could have been and should have been and didn't happen. I don't do all that in Spanish because I don't know all the conjugations and I get confused and tripped up on myself. So even my illustrations, if they come across they have to be usually short and simple if i'm not reading but if you read you can only read so much before people are getting lost in your reading of that so it limits you and with carlos he doesn't have it. i mean that's his first language so he can tell all kinds of oh, scenarios yeah. and all that the, kind of the stuff, filler stuff right and right. and quickly i have to confess with you that a lot of times i can relate to the way you think and so yeah. i kind of know where you're going and there's a little bit of difficulty sometimes with yeah. uh Transitional words and filler words in Spanish and English. Yeah. I know it's funny, like, but like, like if somebody says, entonces, you know, entonces is really like, well, then, you know, right. but, but if you go, then, and you just hang on <laughs> then. So a lot of times you might say, so, you know what I'm saying? There's transitional right. words that you use. So a lot of times, even, um, it's funny in the booth because the, the Valerie and them will kind of look at me if it gets silent for a while, but sometimes I'm just trying to follow your thoughts, see where you're right. going, and then I'm going to throw it out at one, one idea, but I'm going to do it in more of an idea form than word for word form. Some people sure. I think do better with the, with the word for word translation. I just, sure. I can't, I got to do the thought. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, you know, I'm glad that you can kind of read where I'm going and, uh, you can help me out there. You hope, you hope. <laughs> I always joke with the people when they tell me, Oh, that was such a great message. And you know, I know they've had earphones on, you know, I don't know what <laughs> message, you know, that the translator preached. And so usually that, you know, that's one of those old corny jokes that uh, people laugh at. But, um, you know, last week, I think Melissa did it and they, they were, uh, had several comments about, you know, how appreciative they were. And, 
You know, I think that, you know, that raises a question, you know, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we, uh, why do we structure what we do here at the church? And, and one of those is, okay, we're mostly a Spanish speaking congregation. Mm -hmm. So we do the Spanish. Some people have asked, well, why don't you uh, do the translation like with a microphone with, you know, because that takes too much time. And it also, we only reserve that for special speakers that come in that would be, you know, English speaking or whatever language actually. And then we would translate over into Spanish, but that just takes up so much time. And if you can imagine back home at your church, if you're a listener and every week was uh, listening to uh, a French speaker and have it translated in English, it, it just, it just takes so much time. So we made a commitment years ago. And look, we're just gonna we're gonna make it Spanish, but we'll have headsets. And so we have a translator in the back in the in the cabin area that uh, translates it into English. We've actually done uh, translator in Creole or French before too. I don't know if we've used that equipment, but I know that Franklin has sat beside some Haitians that have come okay. in, yeah. and he has done that. The point is, is we do feel a sense of responsibility for everybody that walks in the door. I mean, we have an opportunity to share, and so that includes visiting groups. We've had um, over the years, I wouldn't say many, but um, we've had people that have gotten saved, uh, Americans, and we've gotten, uh, we've had people, we've definitely had people that have uh, since that they were supposed to be on this trip to hear a message or something mm-hmm. like that. And we don't know how, what God is doing. We have to assume that the Americans that come in among us uh, are spiritually needy people too, just like we are. I mean, well, they're, yeah. not, they're not, <clears throat> it's not that we often look at them as, oh, they've got it all together. They're on the mission trip. Yeah, no. You know, and they, they come with needs too. Well, I mean, we're one of the highest of the world for sex trafficking, so you don't know why they're here. That's one. Right. It is not so often of an occasion. Well, that I we hope have. they're not on a mission trip. For no, 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 no. Okay, so let me make a distinction. We've had yeah. people pop in that we don't know where for they're sure. from. They see our church, and they drive by on a Sunday and see all the cars, and they decide to walk in because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's enticing as they walk by. Maybe they're not Catholic, and so they're looking for anything evangelical or whatever. Uh, the, the point, um, I think there's a lot to think about in this because when, when people think about missionaries, you think, well, bless God, why aren't you learning the language? Well, we've got people from every, our ministry is so multifaceted here that you and I have talked about this. When you're, for instance, we have a lot of missionaries working with Las Palmas, uh, our Christian school ministry. Well, many times there's not a whole lot of spillover from a Las Palmas ministry to other ministries or the Las Palmas side of things tends to be the, the more consuming part of ministry. Mm-hmm. And then are those other, those people can dabble into other ministries, but they don't have what I would call a primary ministry. That is right. their, everything else is kind of a secondary ministry. And so a lot of those, for instance, uh, we're having a lady over tonight who's a brand new teacher that just came in and she doesn't know Spanish, you know? So um, she's coming in to teach English. She's coming in to teach a class in English, which at the school is a huge, huge open door and an opportunity, uh, which makes people desire our schools. We have that English side, but the, the flip side of it is so that when we bring in missionaries who are here to serve in, in the English side of Las Palmas, they don't speak Spanish. And so how are they going to be fed spiritually? I think that's one. Number two, you know, I think of people like Mark Palma, who comes down here in his 70s. We, we just chatted with him the other day. Who in the world? <laughs> Most people are looking to retire. Right. In their 70s. Sure. Mark made himself, he and Patty, extremely un- uncomfortable in the sense of they left every bit of, of cultural security that they could possibly have. I mean, f- within a short amount of time getting here, had a horrible car accident, lots of crazy stuff they've been through. Just just cultural. I tell people this all the time. I love living here. I do. Yeah. I'll give, and I bring this up all the time, but even just driving here right now, your brain can't stop. 
You yeah. cannot stop. In the States, it's almost like you can go on autopilot because you know what the rules are. And for the most part, everybody follows the rules, but there isn't the rules. And so in so many ways, well, there's the rules, but no, no, well, no, there's no enforcement, right. but I mean, for example, something here, you know, um, and I know you have to do this in the States, but like if, if, you know, if I get somebody to, I had my gate fixed the other day I had the little roller wheels on the bottom went bad. So I, I personally went to the store to pick up the wheels. Then I found a guy down the street who's a welder. It literally was a six to eight hour ordeal for him to fix that, which is only two little wheels. Uh, I had to go pick him up, take him home to get his welding machine and all his welding tools, bring him back to my house. And then we had to run to a couple hardware stores in the meantime to go pick up materials. And then we, I brought Was him. Was he doing the work or you were doing the work? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the point I'm trying to make is in these cultures so many times, it's just so, so to give somebody that respite here where they can come and, and listen in English and their heart language yeah. And they're in the process. I mean, I think of Alexis. Alexis started off, she, she majored in Spanish. That was like one right. of her majors. And yet when she, she came, she was very broken in the very beginning. Now she's doing great now. She's jumped in with both feet. But it takes time. Lived four years in Venezuela. I feel like I had to learn Spanish again when I came here. So I think yeah. this English side of ministry is good, and I think it's needed. And I think it's something that we can offer that a lot of people don't offer. Yeah. And I, you know, I need to say thank you more often to, to the team in the back. Cause I, you know, you forget out of sight, out of mind. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just preaching away and you, you can forget there's, there's people back here that are making it happen, you know, as far as uh, communicating with the PowerPoint so that people can follow along, you know, it's, it's, um, um, just a funny story that uh, Allison reminded me of uh, speaking about the PowerPoint is when we, we did that series about uh, about um, controversial things and you know what's our position uh, on it from the, from the Bible, and so uh, when we we're talking about alcohol, and you know the conclusion was that alcohol, um, you know, is in the Bible. Uh, the instruction is not to be drunk, and so I, you know I te- you know I laid it out that you know can you technically drink, and so uh, does, or does the Bible prohibit alcohol, and so you know. That screen, everybody is lifting up their phone, you know, taking a picture of it. And so Allison reminded me that day. She, she said, do you remember when you did that? Everybody took a picture of that slide. I still need your okay. notes on that, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and then she said, but then the next uh, the next slides that said, but why you don't drink, which had, you know, four or five uh, uh you know, reasons of, of abstaining from alcohol. And, you know, there was also biblical principles in there. She said, "Not nearly many people was taking a photo of that. They just but, wanted the they wanted the picture." But I'm going to say something, and I'm probably jumping out on a limb here, Gary. I so much appreciated. I know this is not the focus of what we're talking about. I so much appreciated the way you handled that for so many reasons. I just recently had a discussion with a family member who, when I talk to my kids, what you said is exactly what I say. Yeah. What I say to them, and really, the, the if. My job as a believer, as a discipler, is a big arrow towards Jesus. You see what I'm saying? It's not to create a, a, a spiritual codependence on, uh, on me for all the answers. So I loved how you left it up to their conscience. You showed what the clear teaching of Scripture was, which is against drunkenness, mm-hmm. which is so funny in that verse. We don't drink, just to be totally clear. But yeah. but the verse says, be not had. drunk with wine, wherein is what? Excess. Excess. So drunkenness is considered excess. Mm-hmm. Proverbs thirty one gives says give give it's like give wine to the uh, those who are low of heart or something like that and strong drink to those who are dying. You know, again, I'm not advocating the use of alcohol in my home. The rule is you don't. Yeah. They know that. 
but I was given a hard time by a family member. Like, you don't just tell your kids, you know, no, I don't. I tell them what the scriptures say. And that's what I really appreciate about the way you handle it. Because in the end, as a preacher, as a, as a pastor, if you create this spiritual dependence, codependence, everybody has to come to you for the right answers all the time. That scares the living daylights out of me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And every occasion, I'd love to always push people back to their relationship with God and say, hey, dude. Don't come to me. I'm going to tell you what it says here. I'm going to tell you what. There's like 220 or 240 verses in all of Scripture that deal with alcohol. And believe it or not, some of them are are in a positive sense. Some yeah. of them talk about joyfulness and, and all that and, and celebration to wine. Right. So, again, I'm not advocating drinking by any stretch of the imagination. But I think if we're going to be true to the Word, and that was the end goal, end discussion I have with my kids. I said I'd rather be real and true to the Word and tell you what the Word says and put that on you <laughs> yeah. than to lie and tell you the Bible says absolutely no. And so, I, anyway, so no, I, 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 no, I, think that's, I love that's, the way you handle that. That's creating trust uh, with the listeners. And, unfortunately, we feel like we have to help out the Bible. We have to, we have to help out God. We have to pad our, you know, it's just like uh, people who take a position against somebody and then they will use whatever, you know, politicians are famous for this, sure. use whatever dirty tactic. And even when they're confronted with, that's not true, man, what you're saying about this person is not true. That didn't happen. That's a manipulated photo, video, whatever. And they're like, well, he's still that way or she's still that way. No, as Christians, we should deal in truth, period, truth, period. And so when we're talking about the Bible, you don't need to pad your, uh, you know, well, you need to distinguish, I believe, try to distinguish what does the Bible actually say. And when the Bible doesn't say what you want it to say, you have to be quiet about it. And well, you, or you have to say this is, there's principles, there's preferences and all that. See, and that's, that's really the, that's the thing right there, principles, preferences, and convictions. So basically the question was posed to me, well, aren't you scared that your kids might take that as license and go drink one day? And I said, well, here's the thing manipulating God's word scares me worse as being a steward of God's word. Man, revelation is clear. If we add to or take away. So I would rather be a good steward and honest about God's word. And I think the part of discipling my kids too, is helping them understand that 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 relationship between them and God has to be, they can't run on my coattails all the time just because we don't do it or we do something. And then you get into the world. You just said of principles, uh, preferences and convictions. Listen, I have no problem. There's a lot of principles that say you shouldn't. There's a ton of principles that say you, yeah, you, sure. you should be careful at least. Yeah. I have no problem if you have a preference that says, you know what? Uh, in fact, I've told my wife even recently, I've seen a lot of stuff that just says, it's just, there's, there's nothing good it does for you at all. Not, we're not even talking about all the potential drunkenness and how it could destroy your family. We're just talking about body in general. I'm a diabetic. You know what I'm saying? So even just from a health aspect, everybody's starting to be more honest about it and just saying, you know what? It's not, you're starting to see more. I've seen more like movie stars saying, eh, I just decided not to touch the stuff anymore. Get away from it. It wasn't doing me any good. Didn't help me at all. So that I would call it a preference. I look yeah. at that and say, okay, man, everybody's saying it doesn't do any good for you. Stay away from it. And then you have convictions where some people go and say, listen, because this verse says this, I really feel like my, my spirit condemns me. Uh, when I do that, and so therefore, and I respect that. The problem in our circles is when my convictions now have to become your convictions, and I think that's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Yeah. Um, what was weird for us is we grew up in a super closed, super um, whatever atmosphere. Then we went to language school, which was an ecumenical. 
not ecumenical yeah. in the sense of talking in tongues. They, they were very uh, respecting. But you, I had a pastor from Canada who's sending pictures to his supporting churches of him thanking them for their support as he's eating pizza and drinking beer. <laughs> and I'm like, I've never seen this in my life. How do you? And yeah. so what did it do? It didn't make us run out and buy pizza and beer, but it made right. us go, oh, wow, there's people who come to different conclusions than we do. We can hear them out. We don't have to do what they do. We can respect them, but we don't have to do what they do. But we also don't have to throw them to the curb either. We can love them, respect them without following what they do, but sure. realize that they know and they understand that they have responsibility before God. I think you're trusting the word. You're trusting the Holy Spirit. Right. And you're trusting the, the person that if if you've been honest about what the Bible says and what it doesn't say, there's a lot of gray areas that you're going to have to look to uh, principles. You're going to have to look to but what is What is the process? If we look at the most basic form of what we're supposed to do, Gary, we are supposed to be disciple makers. We're supposed to teach people to listen to God, not us. So You see what I'm saying? It, and it, exactly. But here's here's a here's another can of worms. We don't have time to to develop to, this to, to develop this. But this happens a lot in our conservative Christian schools. I understand you have to have rules. Okay, I I, I got that because if you don't, people will just jump off to the extremes and all that. But what gets communicated a lot of times to the kids is if you wear blue hair, uh, you're rebellious and you're uh, yeah exactly yeah. instead of just saying no this is a rule because we got to keep a you know standard or whatever and so in that sense and so what gets communicated all these things and people walk away thinking that all this stuff where does it say in the bible not to color your hair blue well, it doesn't man no, it doesn't and, right. and, and and kids get this uh embedded in them. and then when they start actually reading the bible for themselves or they go out to, to right. university right. and people challenge them on that and says tell me where it says you can't color your hair blue you can color orange but can't count blue and you know and, and and hair lengths and all this kind of stuff that gets that gets into preferences well yes i understand a school needs to take a, a position okay to say okay the, you know that way we have a uniformity in our case down here in Las Palmas. But let's not confuse that with a legalism. Listen, that goes even beyond the school, though. I mean, that's even philosophies of parenting. I, I, I choose a different, little bit of a different route with my kids. We teach principles. Well, I have dogs. So. <laughs> no, I mean, this has been huge in my discussion in my family with my boys because in our circles, the fights were music, yeah. clothing, and all that kind of stuff. And so here's what I say to my kids. Uh, the music, I'm more concerned with the message than I am the style, mm-hmm. period. I also lived in that environment. Oh, that's controversial for some people. It's though. going to be. But, you know, everybody, you know what's funny, though? If you went into any particular church and you really sat down with people and give them a chance to be completely honest, you'd probably never find two people within the same church that have the same exact criteria for what's acceptable when it's what's unacceptable. Yeah. Well, you probably would, but you would have a lot of variance, to your point. You that's what I'm saying. Variance, yeah. My point with my kids is I'm more concerned with the message they're getting than the style of music that portrays the message that they're getting. And so, because I also worked as a youth pastor for years, and I, it's so funny within our circles because when we forbid, 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 you know what happens? The kids go do it anyway. They go, they hide it. It's almost like you talked about that forced rebellion a, a little a little while ago. So what are the key issues? Is it me just telling you, here's a list of what you can listen to, here's a list of what you can't listen to? Or for me to say, okay, these are things I'm concerned about in a principal area, but I'm going to let your conscience be your guide within reason. If I hear stuff that, I, you know, obviously I reserve the right being dad to say absolutely no. And you know what's funny about it is I had my kids going, hey, dad, I heard this. This is really cool. And then turn around two seconds later, 
and say, hey, did you hear this song by Shane and Shane, for example? Did you hear this? This was really, really, really good. In other words, they can, they can appreciate artistic talent, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, they're not so driven that they have to have it and they have to hide it and they have to whatever. It's not even an issue to them. I wonder if this works with dogs. Because, you know, our youngest dog uh, just continues to eat the shoes of of Allison. I mean, she leaves them out and chews it up. And so that. And she's a shoe girl. Yeah, she's a shoe girl. But she, to her credit, she buys a lot from Los Mormenos, which is a little market type deal. And so. You want to find Allison? She's not here. You can find She gets all these. Everyone thinks that she spends a whole lot of money. Or they're like, where do you get that? Where do you get that? Oh, Los Mormenos or at the Pulga, the little flea market. So, you know, she's only dropping, you know, a dollar, two dollars here and there. We need to do an announcement when she walks in and be like, today, outfit was brought to you by the Bulga <laughs> and Mas Portomenos. We could get sponsorship, maybe pay this building off. There you go. But uh, yeah, I wonder if that works with the dogs because the more that she tells that dog not to uh, chew on the shoes, the more that dog seems to go after the shoes. So, you know, what are you I, telling me? You maybe, telling me I need to give it listen, more space? More listen, this, this is my first rodeo, and I have so many parents who are older than me, my mom included, says. Parents always look back and they look at mistakes. The biggest principle that I build on, I learned from my father alone. My kids were real little. And this is the whole, what I've shared for through that, this whole podcast, my wife went to him. Now she was older, but she went to him about an issue back in the day. It was pants or music. I can't remember which one it was. And she says, dad, can I? And he looked at her and he said, do you have the Holy spirit? And she said, yes. Then he said, why are you asking me? Ask him, man, that really drove home to me. The importance of, I am not just raising kids. I'm discipling kids. I'm teaching them, hopefully, what it is to have a relationship with God and to listen. I don't listen to the same music my mom does, and she probably doesn't listen to the same music that her, as her mom does. The times have changed and things. But I'd rather send my boys out understanding the weight of the responsibility they have with God because you can hide from Dad. You can, but you can't hide from God. And so for me, those are the principles. I'm not saying I don't have rules. We do have rules in our home. But we're, maybe even what we would call strict but I think my kids are okay in that because they, there's another saying, saying that says rules without reason equals rebellion. Mm-hmm. They understand we have to have a standard. We have to have a standard within our home. But I'm, to make lists out, again, it's just taking Scripture beyond what I think mm-hmm. we're— I've also heard it that way put, uh, rules without relationship yeah. will result in rebellion, um, which I think both of them can— can be applicable but that's we have our bumps with with rebellion occasionally but for the most part i feel like my kids respect me um when i had the conversation recently with a family member after later on i had a great conversation with my son and he respected what the family member had to say but he also totally respected when we talked about Mm -hmm. the issue of of uh, the alcohol for example and i just said dude you gotta know that i know you can hide from me one day but you can't hide from god Oh, I get it, Dad. I get it. It was it was a great conversation, probably an hour or more. So I mean, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit later, and I saw him down there drinking. Ah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. He said, "Don't let Dad know." <laughs> so I, you know, this is not your traditional, your traditional um, legalistic parenting. I know, even within my own family, probably it's viewed as a little bit liberal sometimes. But the the principle, the deep end. well, it's not the traditional rules driven. Um, but I also see that that doesn't work either. Um, and like you said about the blue hair, it actually forces kids sometimes to be rebellious when they're not really rebellious because the rules are so, yeah, uh, there really isn't reason. And so they're so constricting that if a kid wants to even think or look in a direction, they're already, they know that they're stepping over a line. And I think that's not, 
I think it's so important to teach them how to have a relationship. And, and somebody said to me, I got a good friend, um, Greg Smith, and I, I've come to him a couple of times, a missionary who's on the field and he's home now here um, in the Pacific Northwest. But he has said, um, I went to him and I was like, man, what do I do? You know, I'm just struggling with this with my kid. And he said, Jason, did you forget how patient God's been with us? Oh, and I was yeah, like, good word. you know what? <laughs> I haven't done everything right in my life either. And that's not trying to set my kids up for failure, but to understand that they have to learn to walk with Jesus. There you go. Walk with Jesus. Yep. So we started uh, this podcast, not telling you what we were doing. We almost Should we tell them. now? No, we were just having a conversation. Just having a conversation. Just about life. But it was a good conversation. Yeah. And you know, there was a, uh, it was a natural conversation. There was nothing scripted. Yep. And so I'm not saying this is a great example. I'm sure we'll do this uh, before. Uh, I mean, we'll do it again. But um, really, if I was going to give you just one little tidbit, not you, but to our listener, yeah, this is really kind of how discipleship works. Now, you, you would incorporate maybe a stu- you would incorporate a study, you would discuss the the Word of God and all that, but it's really just talking about life. It's just talking about life and applying, and the, applying the, life. the scriptures to life to that life, and not taking the scriptures any now, further. The only thing I would add on that is if I was in a discipleship, I would actually want to show the person in the Word where it says this, because I don't want them just uh, thinking. I don't want them hearing that. Well, the Word says that from me. I want them seeing it with their own eyes. I want them to see, you know, in the Word of God. Well, let me let me if you don't mind, let me close with a quick story. I had a guy to do some. I think he's got a charismatic background. He came to my house to install some. I mentioned him before, like a sliding glass doors yeah. and stuff like that. Well, um, he came over, changed the wheels, did great work. And I said, man, you, you, I mean, he was doing stuff he didn't have to, that wasn't part of what he was being paid for. And I said, man, I really appreciate that. You got a great work ethic. He said, well, people don't take me seriously. I said, why is that? He says, cause I wear earrings and I got tattoos. Yeah. And I says, well, I said, well, dude, I, scripturally, I don't know that I can prove to you that yeah. tattoos are wrong, nor can I in earrings. I said, because the only place they're mentioned, you know, is I believe yeah. it's Deuteronomy. So if his immediate run was to, well, so you're saying it's okay? I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying it's okay. I said, that was the Old Testament law. It was mentioned, yeah. and it wasn't really in reference to pagan worship. I said, but the New Testament law is being subjected to the Spirit. And I said, there's a verse that says whatever is not a faith is sin. I said, so it really has to do more with your conscience and other principles. I said, for instance, I don't do it because I want the opportunity to minister to other people. And so do I think tattoo, you know, have I seen some cool tattoos in my day? Sure. But I don't want to lose my opportunity to minister to somebody over something like that. And so that's why my decision is, it's not really a decision of yes or no. It's a decision of opportunity to minister to others and love. And he was like, you know, so it's like I took him for one where he wanted to justify and say, ah, it's okay. But then when I sent him away, he was kind of like, man, this is heavy. You know, so <laughs> yeah, I said, well, word. you packed a lot in there. So I said, if you'll let me, I'll send you some Bible verse. He's like, cool. So I, so I sent him. But anyway, that's just a perfect example of something like that. Put it on that's him. Same between you and God, man. Yeah, he might put it on himself. He might take those Bible verses. Have, <laughs> he might be tatted, he might, next time up. I see him, if he's got a new Bible verse on his arm, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, guys, we got to wrap this one up. Thanks for being with us again. We are going to run out and do some more work. We got a ministry to do today. So thanks for being with us. Have a good one.